On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Now back to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Uh, joining me on the phone to co-host this week is uh, the one, the only, Holly Knight. Good day, Holly. Always a pleasure. Hey, Mitch. Great to talk to you again. Yes. By the way, the, the interview we did got a lot of great responses. I don't know if you had a chance to see any of them online, but a lot of folks really appreciated that. And the whole thing about talking to songwriters seems to be taking off. People really have liked that one and the Desmond Child one and the Jim Valance one. And so thank you for, for having sat through that with me. I didn't know that uh, people could respond. I'm going to go check that out. But um, I'm glad that it connected with people, you know. Um, because you're right, it's uh, there's a lot of interviews with the artists themselves, and you know, especially in today's day and age, when you don't even know who wrote what or produced what, or you know, because liner notes are a thing of the past on vinyl records. It's nice to be able to talk to you know the people people about what's involved with songwriting. And the great thing about talking to you is that you are a songwriter. You're not one of nine people <laughs> or ten people that that it takes right. to put a song together these days. Can you yeah. can you imagine that that those teams of songwriters? I mean, it's writing by committee is what I call it. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit silly. Anyway, uh, let us get on to uh, today's guest. It is Melissa Etheridge, and we are talking because, or, or I did uh, speak to Melissa because she has a show coming up on July twelfth at the Wynn uh, Las Vegas. And so, folks, do do check that out. Head over to melissaetheridge.com for that. And she does have a brand-new album called The Medicine Show. Now, do you... You've never actually written with Melissa, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, but that doesn't mean we won't in the future. Uh, we, we kind of mentioned something about it about a year ago. I had a fundraiser for a friend of mine, Dana Steele, who was a really big force in the music industry, you know, in the eighties and nineties, she was a, uh, the number one DJ in Houston and she decided to run for Congress, which is even more unique. The fact that she was a Texan on running on the tech on a democratic bill. So, uh, we did a fundraiser at my house and she's very good friends with Melissa because she was one of the first people to play her music you know, at a time when everybody was saying, you know what, we already have one other female artist, so we can't add another female artist. And she was sort of saying, no, but Melissa Etheridge is great. And why only one? You know, they don't say that about male artists. So she kind of was at the beginning, the forefront of all that, even back then. And so anyway, she ran for Congress. She didn't win, but, you know, uh, she did help to create, you know, what what changed in the in the in in the House of Representatives, and you know, Melissa's very good friends with her. So, long story short, she did this uh, unplugged concert at my house, which was amazing. And then we did a duet of the best. Wow. Well, yeah. You see that that to me is is I've never had a, a, any kind of rock star do any kind of uh, performance at my house, so I'm actually kind of jealous. So, that <laughs> is there any record of that? Oh, did and you listen to this? 
Yeah. We had Chris Lord Algae come and do the sound. I don't know if you know who he is, but yes, he's the he's mixer. An amazing. He worked with yeah. White Snake and, and and a whole bunch of other people. Everybody. I mean, he's done Muse. He's done you know Carrie Underwood. I mean, he's run the gamut. You know, he does all the arrows. He flies in to do live Aerosmith concerts. They'll fly him in anywhere to do that. But anyway, so he came, and as a favor to me, did the sound for her. So it was it was a very nice little gathering, I have to say. And he would actually be a great interview for me because I, I I like the inside stories. As we said, you know, it's nice to know the lead singer and the lead guitarist, but it's, it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of behind the stuff stuff that goes on that people aren't aware about. And Chris is one of those that just is terrific. I mean, just terrific at what he does. Um, you did send me those He's two. Oh, he is. And uh, I just want to mention you lent, you sent me those two Lena Hall songs and. I had a chance to check them out. One of them is that cover of Space that Cheap Trick had done. Uh-huh. Phenomenal. I mean, uh, I wasn't Thanks. expecting it. it. It was it was just wow. Um, you're right. The, the I actually I actually engineered and, and mixed that one, but the other one actually Chris mixed for me. AMF Yo Yo. Oh, did which you really? is an anagram for? Am I allowed to say this, Adios, sure. motherfucker? You yeah. on your own? Yeah. yeah. Of course you can. Yeah, he mixed that. Future hit. <laughs> it really is. In fact, uh, I played it for my my daughter, who's about to turn sixteen. I said, "Check this song out," and she liked it. Uh-huh. So, listen, if the if the if the quote unquote the kids are liking it, yeah, it's going to be a hit. It definitely has that potential. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, hopefully, for for cheap trick fans out there, you'll you'll get that space version out um, because you are right. It. How can I say this? It just worked better with a female voice that the the female perspective on those lyrics made more sense. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? I'm trying to get Lizzie Hale to do it. I sent it to her and she loved it and she sent it to her label and that's the last I heard. Um, but that was pretty recently, so who knows? Oh, well, hey, well, um, I'd love great. to work with her again. I've worked with her before. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, and I'm supposed to see her August 1st in, uh, where is it, Guilford, New Hampshire. So I'll, maybe I'll, I'll mention it to her. Now, uh, quickly, uh, Melissa is on tour uh, this summer with Pat Benatar. And, of course, you've had a chance to work with Pat first. T- talk to me about that bill. I mean, that that is going to be a spectacular bill, right? Absolutely. It's fierce women, you know, um, with a long, both of them have had very long lasting careers and uh, they're both the, the real thing, you know, and we don't have a lot of, oh, well, let's face it, rock is not even, you know, as prevalent as it was before. So I think that's why a lot of people just gravitate towards classic rock because there's nothing out. Well, I wouldn't say nothing. There's some great bands out there, but the record labels aren't pushing the rock acts like they are the pop acts, you know? They aren't, though Hailstorm is getting some good attention. I know that whenever there's something going on with Hailstorm, Warner Canada phones me or emails me and says, hey, can you do an interview with Lizzie? Hey, can you do an interview with the band? Hey, can mm-hmm. you come and cover? So there's a little bit, though. That, that seems. Yeah, well, to that's more... why I said not completely. I right. mean, there's people like them. There's the struts. There's, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely rock bands out there, but I kind of miss the whole, you know, the whole scene that was so big in the eighties. Cause I was, and still am such a rocker. I just really like loud, powerful music, you know? Yeah. 
just uh, speaking of of the scene back in the eighties, I, I just want to mention this. You, uh, I interviewed Steve Stevens recently of Billy Idol's band, and he we didn't have a chance to talk about this, but you mentioned it after to me that you were very important in his discovery, if that's the proper way to, to, to put it. You you were, with your connections to Bill O'Coin, said, hey, you should check this guy out. And just quickly tell the folks that story. And, and it, it's it's amazing, actually. Well, my guitarist and I, um, my guitarist and Spider, we went to see bands all the time. And we saw this band called The Fine Malibus and walked away from there thinking, God, that, that guitarist is like, uh, you know, he's a monster. He's so good. And that was kind of it. And then all of a sudden, when we heard that Billy, who was hanging out kind of with all of us, because, you know, he was talking to Bill Coyne about having him manage him and Bill was managing us. So we were kind of satelliting around sort of the same things. And um, he was looking for a guitarist. So we recommended Steve and uh, they hit it off. It was like meant to be, you know. It, it, Didn't he confirm that? Didn't you ask him something about that? I did. I, I sent him an email and said, uh, I sent him an email and said, hey, Holly mentioned that you were part of it. And he wrote back and said, yeah, that's absolutely right. So that's just a fun story. It, it, it just goes yeah. to show about the sort of six degrees of separation. You you would think, well, what does Holly Knight have to do with Billy Idol and finding a guitarist and Bill O'Coin who was working <laughs> with Paul Stanley? And, and it's like, well, you know what? That's that's sort of how the scene works. Everybody, you know, you're you're sort of one sure. person away. Anyway, it's a it's a great story. Well, and, same and, thing with Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons was always sort of discovering, you know, like um, Van Halen. He was always discovering uh, new artists and and giving them a leg up. He was even very nice and gracious to us, to Spider, when we were you know first starting out. Yeah, he he. Yeah, Gene's great. So shall we shall we head over and listen to uh, what Melissa had to say? She she covered all kinds of stuff, including her uh, cannabis uh, company, the new album Medicine oh, yeah. Show. Yeah, she she was all talking about that, and of course being in Canada where it's legal, so there was that discussion. Um, what do you uh-huh. say? Shall we listen to it to Melissa? Let's do that. Uh, here you are, folks. Uh, here is the one, the only. Melissa Etheridge. We are speaking with Melissa Etheridge. The new album is The Medicine Show. Good day, Melissa. Pleasure to have you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yes. And let's 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 be uh, upfront with the folks. One of the reasons we were put on the phone today is to plug this show in Las Vegas on July 12th at the Wynn Las Vegas. Now, what's interesting is that I'm out in Montreal and I've actually never been to Las Vegas, but if I did, it's the win I would go to. Uh, but talk to me just quickly about what that means to play the win Las Vegas and what Las Vegas means to an artist. Because I look from the perspective of a Canadian. I see Def Leppard. I see Aerosmith. I see all these bands, Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, all these bands doing residencies. And it just seems to be that's the place to be. So for you as an artist, what does it mean to play Las Vegas? Well, I come from uh, Kansas and live in California now, and I have been to Vegas many times, and I um, have stayed at the Wynn, and the Wynn is just, it's just a real jewel in Las Vegas. The, it was it was really the Wynn and um, and the, the, the other properties they have that really elevated the Las Vegas experience from, uh, you know, the rooms to the... Uh, the art to the um 
you know, the, the casinos and the theaters is really, really beautiful. So I, I have not ever performed at the wind. So I am very excited to actually be able to, uh, go in there and, and do my thing there. I performed in many other places, but, uh, really looking forward to, um, you know, stepping in and just doing a night there at the wind. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see that. Now let us talk about the medicine show. You have been around, for many, many years. First album comes out in 1988. You could easily do the run with Pat Benatar and do the win and all that and put a 75-minute set together and play nothing but the hits. At this point in your career, what sort of motivates you to go through the rigmarole of putting together new songs and new music and working with John Shanks? Mm. You know, in a sense, and I say this politely, you know, why bother? <laughs> because I didn't do it to be successful. I did it because I love it. And I do it because I love it. And music is part of me. And, and I have a great desire to express myself and through my music and to, you know, look at the world around me and be a, be a conduit for, you know, to, to help, uh, you know, with the, uh, emotionally and musically and with change and because that's what thrills me. And it's, it's not about anything else, but getting up every day and, and finding my joy. And my joy is to, to create music, to make music, to, uh, have music relate, uh, with, with other people to share that music, to share that energy. That is what is all about. It really is. And so uh, talk to me then also about working with John Shanks. He's of course, off with Bon Jovi, we could even call him Bon Jovi's guitarist at this point. What does he, <laughs> yeah. well, in a sense, right, what what does he bring to the mix? I mean, I have found that when he does uh, your previous albums or, or John's albums, that there's a certain sound that he brings. You know, when you talk Mutt Lang or Bob Ezrin or whatever, they have a sound. And I think mm-hmm. we have the same thing going on with John. So what does he bring to you? Absolutely. John has an incredible talent for for putting a musical palette down. And that, that was exactly what I came to him for, for this album. I, I said, John, I'm, I've been writing these songs. I'm doing this. I'm putting it together. I want you to be involved and bring that, uh, that palette, that, that beautiful sound, that powerful sound, because I knew the songs that I was writing, they were very, uh, straightforward they were rock and roll they were melissa etheridge songs they were reminiscent some of them of the 90s and and you know there's not a lot of rock and roll music being made right now and i wanted it to be super solid and i wanted it to be contemporary and he has a beautiful contemporary sound that he layers his uh guitars over and i was able to um you know, emphasized to him that I wanted to play the lead guitars and he, he absolutely let me jump in and, and help me in forming, you know, the lead guitars that you hear on this. And he's just, he's, he brings, you know, a couple of the greatest musicians together. We all played live and it was just a wonderful experience. I've known him for so long. I discovered him here in California. So I'm, I've known him for 30 years now. When I interview John, I'll say Melissa discovered you. No, but um, let me quickly talk. Oh, oh no, you better you better tell him that because he <laughs> it's so funny. He's he's you, you, absolutely you tell him that I said I discovered him, and he'll go, yes, yep, she did. <laughs> she did, she did. Yes. Yeah. So, um, in Canada, in uh, last year, we legalized 
cannabis for uh, recreational use. You can walk down to the basically the convenience store, you know, the marijuana convenience store and buy uh, stuff. You have, of course, the Etheridge Farms. Um, explain to me about getting into that business and getting into the States. Now, I'll, my full disclosure is I've never taken a drug in my life, but I have no objections mm-hmm. to people opening stuff. I mean, you, you know, everybody should live their own Great. lives. Uh, yeah, I, there's there's no political agenda on this. I, as long, you know, <laughs> do whatever you want and I'll do whatever I want and let's meet in the middle. Um, but talk to me about this because it was, what was sort of the, the, the genesis of this and and what's sort of the point behind it in terms of uh, commercialism, in terms of just society, and did Canada get it right? Oh, Canada is so far ahead of everyone else. You've got such a, a lead on this. You've got to jump on it. I'm, it's really – having you know, been in the business now down here for a few years in California, I see – we call you our Canadian overlords because you – have really, really you you federalized it. You 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 have banking. Your your business people are just leading in the in the cannabis industry, and you'll be able to uh, you know work work internationally. And you you've just but you know Canada's always been like that. You were the first ones to you know legalize same sex marriage. You're just you understand the the live and let liveness of, of where we are right now. And, you know, I, I myself, um, was not a, a, uh, smoker, a user at all until I, uh, got, uh, breast cancer in 2004 and that experience and going through the subsequent treatments and then the collateral damage from all those treatments, I used cannabis for pain relief, for, for appetite, uh, you know, stimulant for, um, you know, depression for sleep, for all these things. And after I went through that, I went, I cannot believe that this is not available to everyone who goes through this. And so I, I, I wanted to make it, uh, a, a big part of what I, I built in the future was to help and, and bring cannabis as medicine to, you know, the mass is here and, and that's uh, boy, it's a, it's a long haul. It's especially the, the last couple of years with the administration, it's, it's really put a, the brakes on it here in America, but you guys in, in Canada, you, you're, you're really, you're really leading the charge now. We really are. And, and so why do you think it remains, you know, on the black market in the States that there is a great financial opportunity to be made for a lot of, uh, well, for the, for the industry, the states are are very much into making money. Why do you think they 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 hold it back? And rather than saying, "Hey, Johnson and Johnson or Pfizer or whatever, take it and and run with it and make millions and billions," why why are we sort of still going? Well, eh. a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, one, it's not on the priority list right now. There's certainly you know Washington has their hands full right now, but uh, two. You know, every state that has legalized it and and every state that has it medicinally has seen a uh, a downturn in opioid and pharmaceutical use. So that's actually going to make your Pfizer's and your people a little nervous. So there's not a big push from your pharmaceutical companies because they know that that cannabis will take a big chunk out of their their profits. 
you know, other than that, I think people just don't know. They did a real good job of, of rattling everyone's cage here and making them think it was this uh, gateway addictive sort of drug that it's not. And it's going to take a while to turn people, you know, change people's hearts and minds. It really will. Um, you mentioned same-sex marriage. So I just want to ask you quickly about that, if I can. In 92 or around there, you came out. Talk to me, because that's a very, very personal decision, and you were in a very public place. How much of the decision was based on, I have to do this for me, and I have to do this for my, for my family? And how much was weighted against the commercialism of, well, maybe the Bible Belt won't buy my records anymore. And how, you know, you know what I mean? How, how, how difficult was the decision being a public figure? Um, well, at the time, nobody was out. And, and so it wasn't something that I could really compare to anybody else. I, I knew that, you know, there would be people, you know, forbidding their children to listen to my music and such. But, uh, I, I had to do it. It was such a personal choice. I, I didn't want to go on anymore and uh, having misleading articles. I did an article where the guy just quoted me saying, my boyfriend, my boyfriend. And I was like, dude, I never said that. You you changed my words. And, and I just couldn't have it like that. It was, it was, too, I needed to be authentic because my music was, was very personal, very authentic. And, and I didn't want to lie anymore. So I came out and um, I just figured if someone wasn't going to listen to my music or or buy my music because I was gay, then they're not really listening to me, you know? Right. Okay. And, and, and it was a little strange. And, and before we started recording, I, I was going to tell you a story about a girlfriend I had at the time. She was a huge fan and still is, uh, I'm assuming. I haven't talked to her in about <laughs> 20 years, but she was a huge fan. And then you came out and she looked at me and she said, does that make me a lesbian? And I went, well, well, no, <laughs> no but, but ha, I mean, right. I mean, I mean, incredibly, I don't want to say ignorant cause I don't want to insult her, but it sort of was, yeah. um, ha, how far have we come from those kind of perceptions? Because in 2019, I think we look at that and we go, well, that's remarkably silly. But in 1992, mm-hmm. that was sort of, you know, accepted as, as a, as a response, right? Well, yeah, it's it's what we didn't know. There was so much fear. There was so much unknowing, and and the you know the some of human beings' biggest fears is being ostracized, and you don't want to you 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 are constantly looking. Wait a minute, does that mean this? Am I going to be thrown out of the group? You know, and and um uh, you know today I look around, my audiences are so diverse. More and more men are finally admitting that they're fans and and coming out and you know seeing me and and. It's, you know, it doesn't, I think love is love. I think when you're singing, I love you, or, you know, I'm the only one or, you know, whatever that is, it's a personal experience. It doesn't matter if the other person's a man or woman or a both or whatever, you know, it doesn't, doesn't I agree. I, I fully agree. You know, every so often somebody will say to me, what if your daughter or your son comes out and I go, as a parent, the only thing I care about is that they're happy. And if that makes them there happy, then so be, right. We all we all seek happiness, and I really don't care how you get there. So so <laughs> it you know, um, just real quick on the uh, oh, and by the way, uh, as a Canadian, let me ask you this: one of the greatest things you've done. Mm-hmm. I, I have been a fan. Nineteen ninety six Wembley Stadium. You do it's only love with Brian Adams. Oh yeah, absolutely that brilliant. Was- <laughs> 
Yeah, and I actually found a video on YouTube recently because I had it on a CD single, and I was like, ah, um, just talk to me a little bit because you've done that. You've also done stuff with, uh, I think, Bruce Springsteen. Talk to me about the collaboration mm-hmm. with Brian, first of all. I know it's just that one thing, but I see you and Brian sort of being from the same uh, ethos, if you want. You, the, the very good storytellers, very, very, I don't want to say basic music, but it's it's just plain old rock and roll. It's not, you know, prog, it's not prog rock. It's just... Yeah. Here it is, summer of 69, come through my window, it's there, it's easy, it's accessible. Um, what was that memory like for you? Oh, well, first of all, I, I am a huge Brian Adams fan, I've always been. Cuts Like a Knife is one of the greatest rock songs ever, and so many more. I mean, the list goes on and on with him, but I, um, I, I did absolutely think of myself as in the same vein as as uh brian adams and so when uh the opportunity came up to do a european tour with him in 1996 i said sign me up and we went all over and he was so delightful so wonderful so nice so so supportive and then when we were at wembley in front of 60,000 people he said come on up let's do you know the the tina turner duet and i said oh my god i would love to and it was thrilling thrilling to perform that with him and i'm so grateful yeah, it really is. And, and, and I am trying to rush through this because we said 20 minutes, but um, you have the tour coming up with Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. Uh, talk, to, talk to me about that tour, because to me, that's that's a perfect pairing. And, and, and you know, when you talk about love, Pat and Neil, what they've managed to do in the public eye, stay together, be a team after all these years, just that alone is remarkable. And then on top of that, to get on the stage and deliver the shows they deliver, um, talk to me about signing up for that one and being part of that tour. Pat Benatar is so inspiring to me. And, and Neil, he taught me how to flick picks out in the audience. So I love these guys so much. They're also in it for the rock and roll, straightforward, playing the songs that you know and love. That is, they're just, you know, they, they're it. And, and I love the opportunity to go out and perform because, I'm sorry, with them to perform with them is, is such a thrill because I think it's, it's man, you're getting, you know, bang for your buck when you, when you buy that ticket, you know, you're going to hear the hits all night long. It's just going to be rock and roll. And, and, um, I just, I've always thought it was the perfect uh, bill and I love every show we do with them. Yeah, it's it's a perfect bill. There are two perfect bills this summer. That's one, and then the other one is the guy, the guy we just spoke about, Brian Adams and Billy Idol together. I mean, talk about a great Ooh, summer. That's fun. Ain't that a great yeah. bill? Uh, and let me just yeah. get back quickly. That's yeah, going to be a great bill. Uh, and hopefully, I'll get to see both. Uh, you're you're here in uh, Trois Rivières, Quebec, on August twenty second. So. Hopefully, hopefully I can convince you to put my name on the guest list. But um, no. uh, probably, I think Pro- we got room. We got room. Uh, <laughs> no, but the medicine show. Talk to me about sort of the songwriting process, because from what I understood, uh, you know, I went to your YouTube channel. I watched all the videos. They're very compelling stuff. But you, you were talking one of them, unless I've gotten this wrong, where you sort of went into John's house and instead of lyrics first and melody ideas first, it was play around music first and you sort of approached it a bit differently is that talk to me about sort of the process to getting the medicine show put together yes i did it was it was uh, a, a very freeing um experience i i went in i would sit down at the drum set i would play these beats that i was feeling i was able to to completely have uh 
at my fingertips, the, the ability to take inspiration and put it in to music at that time. I laid some, some musical beds down and was able then to live with them for a while and start writing with them. Uh, some songs like um, Medicine Show, Shaking, Woman Like You, Sway, those were written in the studio uh, the old fashioned way, just me playing. And then we put them up and, and recorded them, but, uh, wild and lonely, um, uh, faded by design. Those were all, uh, those, those were, were crafted from the music from the ground up. And, uh, just, I, I love being able to take my time and go in and, and just put all my inspiration on, and put it down and record it and, and came up with this album. Yeah, and it it, it turned out great. I was, in fact, I've been I spent the whole day and yesterday because I knew this interview was coming. Listening to it, going, man, you know, there's some real depth about this. And 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 I'm going to quote from the press release here, but it says that it deals with themes of renewal, reconciliation, reckoning, compassion, and healing. Um, what, talk to me about the importance of those themes in this day and age. I mean, you know, as we speak here today, we're talking about. Maybe the U.S. is going to go to war with uh, Iran. We're talking about these unbelievable amount of school shootings. I mean, from the Canadian perspective, I think we had two in the last decade. You had like 230 last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, I, and I'm not I'm not casting aspersions on Americans. I love America. It's a great country. But talk to me about the importance of some of the themes that you decided to cover on this album, because it's not just "Hey, I love you." Hey, we broke up. I mean, it's 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 more significant than that, if I can allow myself to say that. Yeah, well, I've you know my own life. I have settled down. I'm married, happy. You know, really in the family mode. I'm in my you know fifties, and it's 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 not the "Hey, we broke up" sort of. You know, I'm not there anymore. So so I really need looked at my life and wrote from those points of view, but also then looked out into the world, looked out into my country. And, you know, if you're not affected by what's been going on in our administration and our government, uh, you know, good for you, (laughs) you know, in, in, if you're an American, but there's so many of us that, that really, uh, woke up and went, wow, we have to, you know, we really have to take care of our democracy. We have to be very clear, with social media and we have to connect with each other and there's rights and, and there's things in our beautiful constitution that, that, uh, you know, we need to take care of and leadership is a part of it. And we've really found ourselves in a, in quite a deep hole. And, um, and I, and my job is to take these experiences, right. Inspire people, inspire them, you know, lift people up, you know, it's time to come together. This human chain that, that, uh, that song is, you know, is about you know, each of us coming together is actually about a, a man who was drowning and, and people on the beach formed a human chain and, and, uh, you know, hand in hand and, and they, they pulled him back in and that's what we can do. We, we have that power and, and it's time to inspire. It's not, you know, corny anymore. These are, these are things that save, save lives now. So that's, that's really, you know, the, it, it's on purpose, the, sort of the theme of this album, the, the, the times, cause we're going to look back at this time in this Trump era and we're going to, uh, 
you know, remember it is, is quite, uh, quite scary. We definitely will. Now, I see that we're at 20 minutes. So I'll respect our time, but it's been an absolute pleasure. I have to say, I've always been a a big bombastic rock fan, you know, the Def Leppards and the Bon Jovis, but you're one of those artists that crossed over to me, and I just, you know, it, it's just been great to, to hear you and great to speak with you, and uh, I will remind the folks, of course, that you are at the win in Las Vegas on July 12th, and for me personally, you are here in Trois-Rivières, Quebec, on August 22nd. It will be a spectacular show. It looks The, the venue looks over the St. Lawrence, but of course, when the sun goes down, the wind blows cold, but mm. it, it'll motivate you to write a new song, so you, you're, you're, you're going to win either way. But uh, as we say in Montréal, uh, Montréal, merci beaucoup, and uh, there you go. It's absolute, absolute thrill for me. Thank you. Oh, merci beaucoup, and thank you so much, and I'll see you there. Yes, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk.